Welcome to our second segment of this afternoon's program. It's Sunday, the 20th of February, 2022. It's now uh, 1.45 in the studio. I'm your host, Kieran Murdoch. Uh, the Education Minister, Daryl Matthew, has suggested that there is no plan in action to make any changes to the status of corporal punishment uh, in Antigua and Barbuda. Um, at present, it is lawful for children um, to be punished using corporal punishment, uh, and it is uh, available in schools under strict guidelines established by authorities in education. Uh, strap is traditionally the permissible tool, uh, with blows uh, generally uh, stipulated to be applied to the buttocks. Um, there is no outright prohibition on parents using similar methods to punish their children as well, uh, though some parents and or guardians have often found themselves uh, in trouble with the law when the severity of the beating is deemed abusive. Uh, the same occurs from time to time in schools. Uh, each year, there are a handful of incidents that become public uh, of children being beaten to the point of it being deemed abusive. Uh, it was in reaction to two such incidents in the middle of 2021 that the education minister publicly stated, um, and I quote, uh, what I'm suggesting, or what Daryl Matthew is suggesting, and I've spoken to some of my colleagues about it, um, is that I don't think it should still be on our books. To me, it's one of the remnants of slavery that disrupts, sorry, that disturbs me greatly uh, and in our society uh, in 2021, that we believe that the best way to discipline someone is to beat them into submission. I just can't wrap my mind around that at all. And it was discussed at length in cabinet, and the cabinet is mindful of the impact it could have on society and the psyche and I have been asked to have some consultations to discuss with the various groups, the teachers' union, the parents, and so forth, and get some feedback. Uh, I may feel this way, but lo and behold, society may feel very differently. Uh, but I know nobody is going to hit my child, but that is just Daryl Matthew speaking, end quote. Uh, that was the education minister speaking on this station uh, around mid last year. Uh, the Prime Minister Gaston Brown followed suit making statements in support of doing away with corporal punishment in some form. Uh, there were others who argued for its retention, those who made a distinction between uh, beating uh, used as a last resort and done with restraint uh, and beating meted out wrathfully and liberally, um, which they considered abuse. A few principals spoke publicly in support of retaining corporal punishment, discussing at length the difficulties faced in some school environments in securing the cooperation of students uh, who too often, um, in the absence of adequate, or in the absence rather, of an adequate disciplinary environment in the home. Uh, public debate on the issue did temper, however, as it usually does. Uh, until this week, the education minister, as I said before, signaled that the status quo would remain. Uh, speaking on this station, he said that the public, by and large, had said that they wanted it to remain as it was. He said, quote, the issue was well ventilated in the public space. I made my opinion, my feelings on it very, very clear. The society gave its feedback and made its opinion very, very clear. Uh, the laws and the policy are what they are, so I don't know that there is anything else to discuss at this point where corporal punishment is concerned. Uh, so on this segment, we're asking, has the administration taken the right decision in leaving corporal punishment alone? Uh, and what could have prompted the policymakers to keep the status quo? Uh, we're happy to be joined on the line by Ms. Vernice Mack. Uh, she is a retired principal, and we're happy to have her with us on this panel. Uh, good afternoon, Ms. Mack. How are you doing? Oh, good afternoon. I'm fine and blessed and highly favored. We have with us as well Mr. Carla Knight, a socioeconomic and political commentator who uh, appended a piece this week, an open letter to the Minister of Education, Daryl Matthew, in which he expressed his views uh, on the recent pronouncement on corporal punishment. Uh, good afternoon to you, Mr. Carla Knight. How are you doing? Good afternoon, uh, Kiron. Good afternoon to my fellow co-panelists and uh, good afternoon to Antigua and Barbuda and the wider listening public. And finally, we have uh, Dr. Disraeli Hutton, 
Um, Dr. Sueli Hutton is a retired lecturer. Well, he's retired as a full-time lecturer. He's a lecturer in educational leadership and management uh, with the School of Education at the University of the West Indies, Mona. Uh, good afternoon to you, Dr. Disraeli Hutton. How are you doing? I'm doing great, you know. Thanks for the invite. Um, this is a most important area that is that just being um, debated and addressed in Antigua, but in Jamaica itself, um, this is a area of ongoing debate. Um, I'm glad to be invited to participate in this, this discussion. Um, Mr. Knight, I wonder if I could begin with you, um, just to get your reaction to the minister's statement uh, this week. There were a lot of people who uh, sort of saw that as a, a pullback, though to be fair to some extent he did mention when he initially spoke that he was um, giving his views on the matter, uh, but that ultimately the position of the government would reflect what stakeholders in education, uh, what their feedback was. Uh, but, but what did you think of, of, of his pronouncement this week that um, you know, pretty much this is off the government's agenda for now? I, I, well, you know, I thought it was not good enough. Absolutely, I, I thought it was not good enough. And um, here it is that we have the minister of, 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 and before I give my opinions, I just want to offer a bit of a caveat. I, I really don't wish to make pronouncements on parenting and parenting styles or make judgments on anybody's parenting style and what, what is good parenting or bad parenting. This is a public policy issue because this has to do with what the government of Antigua and Barbuda um, and pronounces for its education policy in schools that affects the welfare and the safety of all children in schools. And um, as a citizen, tax, well, taxpayer, not now so much, but before, and a voter, I think we should have a right to ventilate our public opinion on public policy. So I leave public policy as the source of limit of my, my criticism. But going back to the minister's comment, I mean, here we have the Minister of Education saying, quite frankly, and I need to see the extent of the quote because the paper didn't mention the fact that he said that nobody can beat his child. So why it is that what's good for his child is not good for the rest of Antigua and Barbuda? I mean, I mean it's, 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 it's to my mind not good enough to say, well, the public wanted so my hands are tied. No, that's not true. You are the Minister of Education. The, the buck stops with you. It is your responsibility and your mandate. You are in charge of um, the, minister, the ministry's policy direction, subject to the approval of your cabinet colleagues as well. But certainly, if you believe and you feel very strongly, and as you have indicated, that this thing should go, it is, to, it is for you to advocate and for you to push that agenda. And it is for you to recognize that, yes, while the public may have an, an opinion on it, and I don't know that there is a consensus in the public about this, I, I strongly contest the idea that it is a general view that people want corporal punishment to remain. If you look at um, social media commentary in other parts of Antiguan society, you see a divided opinion on this. At least, at the very best, it's divided. But even withstanding that, the question to my mind is, how are we determining public policy? Is it being done by popular opinion? Is it being done by a Twitter poll, a Facebook poll? Or are we looking at best practices, scientific research, looking at the, 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 the opinions of the experts within the ministry, the technocrats who you hire, who are in charge of child welfare, who are in charge of education policy, who are in charge of who, the social workers who work with at-risk at youth? What empirical evidence do you have to back up your point? It is simply unacceptable to say 
that you know popular opinion is what it is and so therefore my hands are tied you are in charge of public policy and i would hope that you are looking at public policy in terms of the best practices that would ensure the safety of children and not just trying to score political or popular points uh, Ms. Bernice Mack, um, I don't know your position on the issue of corporal punishment. I know, of course, that you are a former principal. Um, I, I wonder if you could tell us uh, your reaction to uh, this week's announcement and, and generally where you stand on the issue of the use of corporal punishment um, in our schools. First of all, let me say that I was honored and privileged to be part of the group responsible for revising the Old Education Act of 1973. I was part of the group that that particular topic, when it came up, when it was debated by the whole of Antigua, and consensus was, I don't know how many of the other panelists have been in education, but I retired two years ago after spending 41 years in education. So I am speaking from the perspective of experience this afternoon. My last 15 years as an educator, I was a principal. And when that part of the, the act was left in the act, it, the main reason it was left there was to act as a deterrent. To act as a deterrent, because I have to repeat that. Because nobody, nobody in the schools, hardly anybody hits anybody anymore. And no teacher would ever brutalize a child. It has to be an extreme circumstance for a child to be given licks in any school. And as I said, I am going to speak from the perspective of experience after 41 years in education in Antigua and Barbuda. Things have changed. The dynamics in education have changed. But... One thing I know is that these days, parents have too many rights, children have too many rights, and one thing we are forgetting, that with rights come responsibilities. So everybody's going to quote the rights, but nobody's going to talk about the responsibility that lies on the head of the student and on the head of the parents. Well, Teachers do not hit people's children anymore so for me this issue should not even be here let me ask you miss let me ask you miss mark just before i jump to dr disraeli hutton i mean you would have stated um as you opened there that um you know children do not get brutalized by uh, our teachers now by and large obviously that doesn't happen and i think many it people could agree happen. with you but what i would say though what I would say, though, is, is that is not an absolute statement. Generally, when we have these discussions about corporal punishment, it is because there have been news reports, such as there were in, in, in mid-2021, uh, of teachers, whether in public or private schools. And I think in, in that specific instance, I'm recalling it was a private school, if, I, if I'm not incorrect, but uh, don't quote okay. me on that. But it, it was in public schools. But there, it, it was a, a, an issue where... A student had been beaten by a teacher, whether public or private, but a student had been beaten by a teacher. I think in two instances, specifically around the middle of last year, which gave rise to this discussion. In the and, of COVID. and brutally so. Uh, you, you saw blood in drawn. In the middle of COVID. Yeah. In the middle of COVID, where we had, we had face to face. It's interesting that I didn't hear about that. And I was very much on island. Well, it happened. It happened. Because it was, it, it was defend, in the news, and that's what gave rise I to the. children any day because as i keep saying to teachers 
Children are the reason we have a job. And I'm not afraid to say that. Children are the reason we have a job. But then they have rights, so also the teachers. Parents have rights, so also the teachers. Teachers know that they have a responsibility to be on the job and to teach people's children. I don't know that they think they have a responsibility to even hit anybody's child anymore. Teachers do not do that in public schools anymore, as far as I know. As far as I am aware. And again, I will say I was part of the group that looked at the revision of the 1973 Education Act, and we decided to leave that particular clause. It went for public debate. We decided to leave that particular clause just to act as a deterrent. Because even as far back as then, hardly any child was being beaten in school. Let hardly. Me, let me bring in Dr. We Dis... We, we, we're mm. not stressing ourselves over that anymore. Let me bring, let me bring in Dr. Disraeli Hutton. Dr. Disraeli Hutton, um, your take on this issue and your reaction to developments as you yeah. observe them in Antigua. Yeah. Well, thanks very much. Um, I would want to say 30 years ago, maybe 40 years ago, corporal punishment um, was the favorite way of dealing with indiscipline. And then I would want to suggest so-called indiscipline in school by principals and teachers. I think we are doing much better now. And it's really a minority, but we want to have, and this is my perspective now, zero corporal punishment in school. We are living in a modern society, a modern world. We know enough about the impact of corporal punishment. And we have a moral and ethical responsibility to use more humane means of dealing with indiscipline in school. Ethical and moral. And we need to inspect that very carefully in terms of how, in a modern world, how do we deal with youngsters who have problems with discipline? And of course, this is rooted in culture. So spare the rod, we spoil the child. That is saying, and that is still said, especially now by some persons in the school principal school system, including principals and teachers. The idea that pain is a way to motivate young people. If you punish them enough, that will cause them to behave differently. And of course, we still repeat what is said in the Bible. So there's a strong support and the persons will quote from the Bible. Proverbs 23, do not withhold discipline from a child. Corporal punishment is in Jamaica, and I guess it's there too, prescribed. It is in law. So even though our current prime minister, when he was minister of education, called on those laws to be changed, they still have not been, been changed. So legally, uh, corporal punishment can continue to be applied. But let us go, just us look at what we have been trying to do for decades and the United Convention and the Rights of the Child. 
no child, and this is Article 37, no child shall be subjected to torture or any other cruel inhuman, and inhuman is different from inhumane, form of torture, torture or cruel action, degrading action, treatment, or punishment. So as a world, we are trying to moderate, we are trying to move from, from the brutality. We have done well, we have done well, but we want to eliminate this once and for all. And as human beings, we have that capacity, it's just the determination. And of, of course, I, um, I do not like what we call um, be, to be politically correct. Political expediency is never good. It's never good. It's never good. Hmm. Those uh, are my comments. Mr. Carlin Knight, if I could bring you back in, how do you react? Because, I mean, we did have a lot of uh, discussion about this uh, in the media last year. Uh, how do you react when educators, um, well, they, they raise the, the issue that, um, yeah. as Ms. Uh, Mack has said, uh, that corporal punishment is something that is, is not used liberally. Uh, it's used in um, extreme circumstances when children have stepped out of line. Um, to a severe extent, uh, and other measures have not um, been uh, successful in curbing their behavior, um, and that there are stipulations in place so that when it is applied, it is not uh, uh, applied to such an extent that grievous bodily harm is done. Um, uh, basically, the argument that it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a measured response uh, that is used as a final resort. Uh, how do you generally react to, to that, um, that position? So firstly, firstly, let me say that I respect um, um, Mrs. Mack uh, and her, her, her years of experience very highly. I know her to be one of Antigua and Barbuda's most outstanding educators. And I respect the contribution of every single person who has put themselves forward to educate people's children. It is not an easy job. Uh, I recognize the challenges and I don't come on this program to disrespect or disregard anybody's uh, credentials in that respect. Um, let me say, however, though, I must, I must still maintain my own, my own line of criticisms. We don't say that because there's only one murder in Antigua and Barbuda, killing is, is acceptable, right? We say that killing is wrong irrespective of whether there's zero murders or 100 murders or 50 murders in a year. The question to my mind is not whether and how frequently corporal punishment is used, it is not a question of effectivity. It is not a question of even how many cases transcend the line from corporal punishment to abuse. And I'll come back to that debate very shortly. It is a question simply put of whether or not striking a child under any circumstance is acceptable. And if it is not acceptable, it should be banned irrespective of the effectivity, irrespective of how many statistics you can quote. The question is not whether or not this form of punishment um, delivers results as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to come back to that as well. It is a simple question of is this consistent with human dignity and is this form of punishment tolerable in a 21st century context? And if it is that we cannot allow for individuals to strike individuals, no matter how much I get upset with anybody, I cannot take up my hand and strike persons. It is a contradiction, a blatant contradiction at that to say you cannot as an individual strike somebody because it is prohibited in law because they'd be charged with assault or battery, whatever the correct legal term is. 
but that there is somehow a permissibility for um, an adult to strike a child. When I ask the question, what is the difference? Right, except that the child can hit you back and defend themselves. And if you say to me the difference is, well, you have a responsibility to discipline the child, I will respond by saying, well, you have a responsibility to discipline the child, but that responsibility did not need to include beating or hitting. That is a cultural response. And it's a cultural response which you have to defend. Now, on this whole idea of it's only bad if it becomes abusive and that there is restraint exercise, there are several problems that I have with that. I mean, when the young lady who died, and you may not remember this, but the young lady who died because she came into her to the house um, after curfew at 10 o'clock in the evening and her grandmother beat her with a two by four till she died. And, and then even when the point at which rigor mortis set in, she still, the grandmother was still beating her because she was angry that the child came in. What use it is, what use is it to her to tell her now that she's already dead that, well, the grandmother went too far? The problem with abusive arguments is that you can only identify abuse post-fact. You can only identify abuse after it has already occurred. And then you can retrospectively look and say, well, maybe you went too far. Maybe we should punish the child. Maybe you got, you, you got carried away. At which point the damage has already been done. We have a duty to protect children bar none. We have a duty to say that this should not be allowed if it allows even the possibility of harm. If something allows the possibility of harm, it should not be done full stop, right? Not that you're going to trust human beings to exercise restraint and exercise restraint in the context of them being angry at a child when they have done something wrong. And then the other thing is that there's an, a, a very fudgy line about what constitutes abuse. Even that same picture when the two girls were shared and, 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 and blood were drawn. If you looked at the comments on those, on those pictures, a lot of people were debating whether at the point at which you, 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 you beat a child, you see whales or marks on the skin, or even if you cut them slightly, you cut them like a bit, it is not abusive, it's just a, it's just a little mark. We all get little marks when we get it. It's not a big deal. There are lots of people who do not, who, if you ask what is the definition of abuse, it will vary from individual to individual to individual. Right? There is no objective standard that we can say, this is what constitutes abuse. So, and, 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 and then fundamentally as well, you take children as you find them. You might give me 10 lashes and I, I might be perfectly fine. 10 lashes to somebody else is going to probably put them in the hospital. You don't know the variances in terms of children, what they can stand. There's too many uncontrollable variables in this situation. And that fundamentally, even if you don't believe any of those things, there's a huge question about whether or not this in fact even works. People are saying, well, we need to be able to instill discipline. Have you? Well, well, well we've had it since 1973. Yet, can we say that, that the levels of discipline in our schools have gotten better or worse? Right, corporate punishment has been in the books. Have, have, what is what is the proof? What is empirical evidence that justifies your positions? And all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, whatever your view is, let us not just use anecdotal things and religious things like about the Bible says. Let us actually look at what is happening and see whether or not this thing is working, or we're just clinging on to something that is not working and in fact actually potentially harmful to our children. It cannot be to my mind acceptable to say, well, it's not you know, done a lot, so why should we care? Uh, Ms. Mark, your, your, your response to that? I, I'm curious what you make of the, the, the argument that um, essentially once this is something that, uh, that is robbing a, a person of dignity, um, that it shouldn't be done at all, you know, regardless of the situation. 
interesting because are we aware of the number of parents who come on the compound and put some proper words, including some proper indecent language, on teachers? Are we aware that children are online and parents come on the, the program? They come on the Zoom link where the children are without clothes, talking to their friends on their personal phone with a lot of bad words, and the teacher has to see all of this. So somebody needs to tell me where we draw the line, what we call responsibility. And then I heard persons referring to the Bible. I grew up on the Bible. I got licks as a child. And I will say that those licks made me a better person because I knew why I was getting them and I understood why. And I was never ever brutalized and i still believe in the bible the wisest man who ever lived said train up a child in the way he should go and in the same chapter that same wise man said foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and he also said when i was a child in first corinthians 13 i spoke as a child i understood as a child i thought as a child but these days but when I became a man, I put my childish things. These days, I wonder how many of our little people think like adults, speak like adults. And I wonder the panelists and the, the whole nation, whoever is listening to hear this, because a number of our children no longer behave like children. Well, let me ask you, Ms. Mark. Let me they ask no you. longer behave like children. Mm-hmm. And so when we are talking corporal punishment, we are not talking abuse. We do not believe in anybody in this world abusing any child. The parents mm-hmm. of the children who behave that way mm-hmm. are normally to blame, mm-hmm. not the children themselves. Let me pause you. Let me pause you. Let me pause you. Want to say. I want to ask a question. Let me pause you. Um, I think, Mr. Knight, one of the things Mr. Knight said was um, specifically that... Uh, Abuse is only after the fact. We only call it out after the fact because it has happened. Uh, it's after the fact that we say you have gone too far. Um, do you not see that as a as a as a reason in terms of the fact that, I, as he said, hold on, one second, one second, I, I, one second, one much. second, one moment, one moment, one moment. Uh-huh. The fact that, as he said, different people will apply it differently. You really cannot hope to successfully regulate it to the point that you don't have instances of it going overboard of what you might consider to be okay. But what somebody else might consider to be, you know, well, this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at liberty to go further. Your, your skin is not whaled up yet. And, you know, after a few good licks, your skin no. should be whaled up. No. So let me keep beating you. And let me say regretfully that many of the instances where children are abused, it is the norm in that particular instance for the children to be abused. I can tell you that much. In the home, you mean? Because I've been in touch with thousands of parents. And I have reprimanded parents for abusing their children. Figuratively, literally, beating their children until their skin wail up. Until they're black and blue, because the children come to school and show me. 
And that is what I call abuse. Well, let me let me, let me jump in. Let me let me jump in again. Let me jump in again. Let me jump in again. Based on the fact that you've said that, I wonder if I could ask uh-huh. you the question now. In your experience, if you've actually dealt with that sort of abuse, um, ob- observed abuse. it as a, as a, as an educator over your years, um, if you how would you how would you how would you put a stop to that if not banning corporal punishment literally, outright? Literally, literally, cause social services disappearance. Because in my mind and in my estimation, the child comes to school, the child has no problem whatsoever. So I'm trying to figure in my mind what can that child be doing at home that on a regular basis this child comes to school with all these marks, cuts. And I'm, the child will come and show me. And they will say, Daddy beat me last. I said, for what? Why did your father have to give you all those things? What did you do? But I will not go into all the cases. But is, isn't that I a reason to many, ban corporal punishment? Many, but there are many instances of child abuse. Mm-hmm. And that I do not support. But isn't that a reason to ban corporal punishment outright? But you can't stop people from doing what they want to do to the children in homes. I am saying it does not happen like that. At 99% of the schools. That is all I'm saying. You cannot stop parents from doing what they want to do to the children at home. But in 99% of the schools, it does not happen. Not in Antigua. Well, let me let me bring back in Dr. Disraeli Hutton, if I could. Uh, yeah. uh, Mr. Knight, you want to jump in really quickly and make a statement? I just said what you do is very quickly. I allowed um, the, the professors to come in. Um, what you do is um, is remove the ambiguity. The issue is not actually going to prevent people from being abused, but once you have something on law that allows it, parents can always get away with the idea that this is just good old fashioned discipline, and it will be up to the person assessing whether or not the child was abused or not. I am saying that the point in which you have an outright ban, there is no debate. You shouldn't have struck the child at all. And so there's no cover for a parent to say, well, it is just within my right as a parent to discipline my child. So we need an outright ban to prevent, to, to make sure that whenever you see a child with a mark, there is no excuse whatsoever because we know that the parent had no right to strike the child. Dr. Hutton? Yeah. yeah. It is clear and the choice is really black and white. And we're at the point now based on our history or a culture supporting corporal punishment, we know exactly the impact. One, it increases aggression in, in young people, increase antisocial behavior, decrease the quality of parent-child relationship and child-teacher relationship, and that is clear. It decreases mental health outcomes because of the impact. I can recall doing my my, um, scholarship preparation at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday, and I tremble because we are locked in a room with a heavy strap. And this idea that more beating, the more you learn, I dismiss that based on my no. personal experience. I still feel that strap in my back. And I didn't, I, I'm, I'm confident that it didn't do anything to enhance my learning. It was brutality I experienced. Increased adult abuse behavior. And it is of interest to, to know that it is the boys who, who seem to have 
been beaten constantly. They, they are the ones who, after school, seem to be the persons who continue to perpetrate violence, not only um, in the home, but also in society. I think we are at a point now where the state must take a firm stance that corporal punishment must be abundant and it should be done legally. And any teacher, any principal, any parent who seem to want to or continue to apply it should be dealt with by the law. And you don't have to take anybody in and brutalize them to deal, to punish the person. There are all kinds of ways. The scientists, the researchers over centuries have determined what are the ways we can use to deal with this problem. But it has to be a national approach. It has to be led by those with high ethical and moral standards. That education program must happen because we really want to, to demonstrate to people that there is a clear alternative. We cannot continue to continue the barbaric practices coming from slavery. There's a direct relationship between what is happening now and what happened under slavery. And that is why the, the, the poor people, the parents seem to, when they tell you, when they t and they still do that, only that only a few know, spare the eye but you can apply the corporal punishment. Some parents, a, a real minority, but it's still there. And we want to exclude that forever mm. in our society, in our country, in our region, in Antigua and in Jamaica. I want to jump back to Ms. Mack. Ms. Mack, um, I'm, I'm going to ask a question. Uh, feel free to respond to anything you might want to respond to, but I'm going to ask a question. And that question is, uh, from your experience as an educator, um, if, let us say, theoretically, uh, corporal punishment were no longer to be available to teachers and principals. Well, not teachers, but principals, because usually in, I know in public schools it's the principal that has to okay it and designate somebody or do it themselves. Um, but it's no longer available in our schools, for example. What would be the alternative? What do you see happening in that instance? Um, because I, 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 I've understood from what you've said that you, you, have, you mentioned that you had children coming to school behaving like adults. Um, uh, and, yeah. and a lot of educators them. Mm -hmm, a lot of educators bring up that point in that you have certain uh, uh, students who come to school and uh, uh, sometimes the only thing that, 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 that uh, curbs their behavior is either the threat of corporal punishment or actually applying a few strokes. Uh, so in the absence of that, um, what would there be? Would it simply be a matter of sending children home to students more, not, not to students, sending children home to their parents more regularly? Uh, 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 to which parents? Which parents? The parents were never home? Majority of times? And I tend to agree with the Minister of Education now. Because in Antigua and Barbuda, we already had this debate as a nation. And so I see no need to remove corporal punishment from the books. I see we are trying to remove discipline from our society when we talk this kind of language. There must be some form of deterrent something that the children are afraid of. So, okay, I will not do because of this is a possible outcome. And for me, discipline is not brutality. Discipline is not child abuse. 
discipline is discipline. And parents have the right to discipline their children. Do you know that the law now states that only a principal can administer corporal punishment or a teacher selected by the principal? All these things people don't seem to understand. But then everybody has rights except teachers. And if they were to ever remove that from the books, I would advise teachers, don't stress yourself over nobody's child. Do like the American system. You go teach, you go home. No parent call you at your house. No parent call you after school because you finish working. Don't stress yourself because nobody's stressing themselves over the teacher and what the teacher has to go through dealing with people's children. They have one and two at home, you know. Parents have one and two. Teachers have 20 and 25 and 30 and 40 in one class. You think that can be easy? We need the deterrent to stay on the books. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, Mr. Knight, um, the same question of alternative, because I mean, it, 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 it will be, it will be a, a point raised that if you are not able to uh, apply corporal punishment, uh, you have to do something else. Um, uh, and, and oftentimes in yeah. a school environment, teacher to pupil ratio is low, administrative staff not as many as they would like, and having to find other ways to discipline students and, and engage them more, take more time to really get through to them as opposed to uh, being swift and, and delivering corporal punishment uh, is something that the, uh, the school system is not really uh, adequately resourced to do. I mean, we don't have exclusive disciplinarians in schools. So that's all they do all day. Um, you know, the teachers and the principal and administrative staff do have substantive jobs. Um, so you know, what is the alternative if there is an alternative? And you can't send them yeah, home to so, an um, empty home, you know, so. So uh, I wish to make two points here. Firstly, um, I, I acknowledge the challenges that teachers face again. Um, and, and, and the idea here that discipline should not be synonymous to my mind with fear and all of those kinds of things. I mean, nobody is denying the right to discipline. Let's just start there. Nobody is saying that you do have a right to, to, to deal with a child who is showing antisocial behavior. The question is whether or not you have the, fo the, the form of discipline that's important and whether there's an acceptable form of discipline. Even when you're dealing with hardcore criminals in society, there are still rights that govern hardcore criminals. You can't just um, shoot a hardcore criminal who has murdered somebody in the head, for example. I mean, there's still, there's still, a, there's still a, a number of other issues to take into consideration when you're dealing with... Um, with punishment. So punishment also has to be consistent with human dignity and the rights of the child. And this is the debate that I really want people to, to, to focus on, not whether we're trying to deter discipline, but whether or not this particular form of discipline is consistent. But you've asked for alternatives. Now, I think that fundamentally, if you, if you have a child is so disruptive that you cannot continue to have the child in a regular school environment, and you need to have the parent to come into to the school and take that child to discipline the child how they see fit. It should not be, to my mind, for the teacher to administer corporal punishment. Well, the principal, the principal if that usually. child, if any corporal punishment should be administered, call the parent. And then fundamentally as well, I think that we understand that there is a social contract, so that a, a child comes to school to learn on the condition that they're able to behave and be and to be integrated well in the school environment to the point where that contract is, is, is broken and the parents have to take responsibility for their children. Now, I agree that we have a problem insofar as that they're delinquent parents and so forth, but which is one of the reasons we also need to have social services and an active um, social services, social worker sector 
that can help deal with delinquent, delinquent youth, people who are trained in dealing with deviant children who understand the root, the need to get to the root causes of this behavior. Because corporal punishment, even if it's applied, is only addressing the surface issues, right? It's not dealing with the root causes of these antisocial behaviors, the psychological, psychological problems, the emotional damage problems, I mean, even the history of trauma and, and, and abuse that this child is suffering in the homes. So you need to have an adequate system in place to deal with that. So the conversation has to be far broader than just a matter of um, um, we beat the child and, and that's supposed to be the big deterrent. What are we doing to address the root causes of this problem? Are we looking at the social, social services sector enough? Are we investing enough money in dealing with social services to help the children and delinquent youth? How can, how can we improve that, that, that relationship? And, and fundamentally, just the last point, that um, this also is a class thing. So when you, when you have the minister, and he said no, that this was the statement often, and I, I, I'm really disappointed that he could have said that his child, his child as the minister would not be beaten. So clearly, the people who have the ability to be able to protect their child, the, 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 the parents of means and privilege who will come into the school system and say, not my child. What about the child from the lower socioeconomic background, from the lower socioeconomic class, who, ha who doesn't have the parents' uh, support behind him or her? Are they to be left to be advantaged and abused by the system with nobody looking out for them? I mean, I mean, it, it, it is also a number of class dynamics at play here that we talk about. So I would want to say we need to broaden our understanding of discipline from that of where we just beat as soon as something happens and look at the social structures available to children to make sure they're getting adequate support so we're dealing with the root causes of antisocial behavior and not just dealing with the surface issues. Uh, Dr. Disraeli Hutton, uh, let me bring you in to ask you about this issue of discipline. Um, Right. Broadening the issue of discipline beyond beating. Usually we speak about it in a, a very non-specific manner. We just say, you know, there's other mm -hmm. forms of things that you can do. Um, I'm not an expert, so I mean, I'm asking you if, if, what do you do in a school, in a secondary school, under the circumstances that many of our secondary schools function, when that deterrent of corporal punishment is not there, um, you, you do not really want to ha find yourself in a situation where you're more and more sending more students home to their parents, knowing full well that the situation in, in many homes is not such that parents have the time to be there uh, to take those children back, uh, or even that they might just go home to, to, to beat them worse than they may be beaten in school. Um, but what other forms of discipline would really get through to children that, that we ought to practice more, if that is a, if that is a reasonable question? Right. I think we need to appreciate that this problem of discipline in school really didn't start in school. Um, it, this start at home and the environment that uh, these children are coming from. So it is important that we start with, and the social services would be crucial, but we need to do what I call the, the, the preventive measures. So in those cases, it's clear to the social services that parents, those, type, those parents that you know, based on data, based on experience, will their children will indeed have problems of discipline. These should be targeted. The service should be, what I call preventive service, should be in place to start to help them from there. And those in school now, where we have some services now, but they are so, they're, they're, the support that is provided is so limited 
that they are really ineffective. It's really just less, it's less than 5% if you take any school at all, and some school is less than a percent, but it's less than 5% overall in any society where you have children um, having or displaying this type of behavioral problem. So I think we have the capacity to deal with those problems, but we need to start long time before those children reach the classroom. And if we take that approach, if we implement, as I said earlier, a rigorous education system, pointing out the, 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 the negative effects of corporate punishment, I think that could take us a far way. So long as we say, this is our context, this is our culture, and we have to do that. So long as the teacher, the teachers and principal are saying that you are taking away from us the last tool that we have that can be used to, to deal with discipline, well, we are, we, are not, we are in trouble. We are in trouble. And as, I, as you see, it's a problem, not just there in Antigua, it's a real problem in Jamaica. And it cannot be you start to seek to solve it at the level when the child is in school. That problem would have started a long time before the child reaches the school system. Uh, Ms. Mack, I want to end with you. Uh, we're just about out of time, uh, but feel free to, to you know, uh, give a, a proper ending statement. But I want to ask you the question, as we talk about discipline and uh, parenting in the home, what advice uh, would you have for parents um, from your experience seeing children come to school uh, not prepared to be attentive, to, to be respectful towards the teachers, to be respectful towards the school administration, those children who you have seen uh, behave in that way over the years, what advice would you give to parents um, in, in terms of creating an environment of discipline for those students and preferably um, advice that doesn't necessarily resort to corporal punishment? Are there any alternatives? It doesn't. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. Some children want attention. Their parents don't talk to them. They go to work, they leave them at home to get ready for school. They come home, they don't even ask them, how was their day? What did you do? What did you learn? And I would advise parents to communicate more with their children. Their children are seeking attention. Their children should be their priority. I know they have to work to get the money to feed the children, but spend time with your children. Listen to them. Find out what is happening to them on a daily basis because a lot of our children are hurting, really, really hurting. And as parents, we are the ones responsible for them. We are the ones responsible for making sure that they get an education and not just any type of education. I believe in quality education. And so I would advise parents, please, listen to your children. Do not curse them out. They don't need that. Just listen, work with them, make sure they do what they're supposed to do at school, and advise them to be respectful and to obey school rules. And all will be well. Okay, with that, I think we can uh, end this segment here. It was a really interesting discussion. I want to thank all three of our guests. Uh, we were joined, of course, by Ms. Vernice Mack. That's the last voice you would have heard there, a retired principal of many years. Um, Mr. Carla Knight, socioeconomic and political commentator. And, of course, Dr. Disraeli Hutton, a retired professor uh, in education from the University of Mona. University of the West Indies, Mona, sorry. Uh, thanks to all three of you for joining us this afternoon.